0: Well hello and welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast and once again I am interviewing a fantastically strong lady, so powerful. This lady I speak to every day, she's probably my best friend so it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful interview and it's all about International Women's Day this month and today I'm speaking to the wonderful Jo Dutfield. Hello Jo and welcome. Hi, Pearl. It's really good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, I've been so looking forward to this because, as you know, International Women's Day is really close to my heart. I like to have the chance to empower as many young women or anyone, no matter what age the woman is, that I think that we have a strong message that we can say, yes, you can conquer everything. But before I start with this, I'm actually going to read out Jo's wonderful profile each and every one of my guests I'm taking the introduction from their Facebook profile because this whole project about International Women's Day has grown up through Facebook so I want to revert back to it where I can now the wonderful Jo Duckfield is an intuitive guide spiritual mentor NCHC verified Reiki master practitioner sound healer holistic therapist clairvoyant medium clinical hypnotherapist qualified teacher and trainer and a podcast host and you're absolutely brilliant at everything you're just fantastic joe it's a lot isn't it oh it's wonderful but you are this just really leads into my first question i'm trying to ask all of the ladies can you give us an idea what is joe's story can you give us a bit of background as to What got you to where you are, this strong, fantastic, phenomenal lady that we all love?
1: Well, my childhood has a lot to um, answer for with regards to the kind of person I am. And my mum said to me, oh, gosh, when I first got married, she said, God, I really did do a good job on you. You're so strong. My mum grew up in a big family. And she was the seventh child um, of an eight-child family. Um, My mum was born in the 50s. And my nan and granddad were bringing up these eight kids together. Six of them didn't belong to my granddad. They were in my nan's first marriage. And my nan herself was an incredibly strong woman. She had a husband who was an alcoholic and had beat her. And um, he was got rid of and she met my granddad and my granddad bless him he was one of the good ones and he took on all six children and then they had my mum and my mum's younger sister together. Um so I've come from a long line of strong women and my mum she was mollycoddled growing up really although they had been a little bit poor obviously having eight kids um my mum my mum had lived quite a sheltered life and she got together with my birth father And um, I don't even like calling him my father, to be honest, but him, Rod, he's called. Um, And he was actually quite cruel, quite violent and quite emotionally abusive to my mum from the age of 19 when she married him. And he was just, I guess, not very well looking back. I mean, um, I haven't spoken to him in over 30 odd years. Um, My mum... And I, being little, um, we lived in fear. And he would hit my mum quite a lot most days. And But when she wasn't being hit, we lived in absolute terror. And it's hard to put it across how terrified. Um, but my mum, I interviewed my mum for my podcast, actually, not very long ago. And there's things that I didn't realise. But my mum said to me that there was one time that we went to a, the Queen's Jubilee, 1978. And we went and I was Princess Anne of all things and um, was all dressed up. We'd had a lovely day. We'd had dancing and singing and a street party that my nan had organised. And we'd stayed a bit late. My dad would say, you need to be home by X time. And my mum said she knew she was going to get a thump when she got home. But we'd had such a lovely day. She was willing to sacrifice herself so that we could have a nice day. How sad is that? So my mum did the, the job on me. She didn't want me to follow the pattern that can happen, where women that have grown up in violent homes then go on to find violent men of their own, because it's a learned behaviour and a pattern that sadly can continue for some people because their self-esteem is so low. And to, to to it can be that that's the norm for you is that men are cruel and men are violent. But I knew from a young age that that wasn't right because my mum taught me that, and she used to say to me, "You're different, Joe." She used to say, "Joe, you are different." We lived on a council estate. It was one of the roughest uh, ha- uh, housing estates in London. It was a place called Feltham, Lower Feltham, it was called, and it was very rough. This estate, and um my mum used to say to me, "Look around you, because you're different to them. You're going to make something in yourself. You're going to, you're 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 going to have a happy life. You're going to achieve something with your life." I mean, thank God, my mum did do that, yeah. um because she it did sink in it did sink in I didn't think to myself that I had to live within the limitations of poverty because we were surrounded by it and there was a lot of families that there was domestic violence because of the poverty I guess and the socio-economic situation there um and like I said my nan was incredibly strong so when my mum left my dad when I was nine my mum just done a moonlight flit and left we went to live with my grandparents. And my, my nan had already been a really strong influence on me. But obviously, once I was living with them, it was even more strong. And my nan was so <laughs> immensely powerful as a woman, considering she was born in 1926. Um, she was so ahead of her time. She didn't believe that women should cow down to men. She didn't believe that women were second class citizens. She didn't believe any of that. And I, And I never had that conversation with her. I know she didn't believe it because she never did it. You know, she she ran the household. She was always really strong. She didn't expect my granddad to do everything. They both done three jobs each. They worked incredibly hard, and she always made me feel like I was worth something, even though I was going through all of those things as a little girl. They used to take me on holiday. Well, say holidays, take me for weekends away to their caravan when I was growing up to escape the violence, I guess. Um, And so I was surrounded by strong independent women um but I have to say here at this point something's making me say this is that when I was younger I mistook strength for having to be aggressive or having to be you know the word strong always kind of evokes for me someone who's fighting or someone with their fists up and someone who's fighting the world and 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 feeling like they have to you know protect their space all the time what I learned over the years is that there's different ways of being strong and actually for me there's incredible strength in being soft and being kind don't get me wrong I have a temper and it used to bother me years ago that I had a temper I do have a temper I'm fiery I'm a Sagittarian and um you know don't poke me too many times with a stick because I will roar but I'm also incredibly tolerant and patient Um, But I will stand up when I need to. And it's that it's that what am I trying to say? I guess it's that thing that you can be soft and gentle and be strong. You don't have to always be fighting. You don't always have to be the first one to stand up for everyone else. And actually, I learned that growing up because I was always the one that would stick up for the underdog. I was always the one that would step up and fight other people's corner. But what you find is you are wrongly. Women can sometimes be labelled as troublemakers or as the the kind of the fiery one. Or when you get to positions of power or when you get to positions of responsibility, if you're strong and you have strong boundaries and you don't put up with people crossing them, women will be called a bitch or they will be called, oh, she's a tough bitch. Whereas men will be called assertive or strong or powerful. And so I learned growing up that actually I didn't have to fight everyone else's battles for them. And I didn't need to let people bullet load me because I would let people set me up. Like I'd have people, oh, this has gone wrong. And there's this injustice. And there's that injustice. And this has gone wrong. And I'd be the one that goes and fights. And I look around for where they are and they've gone. Yeah. Um, so I learned a real lesson about fighting the things that were important. And it made me be less angry. I was an angry teenager, but I always thank that anger because it's that anger that helped me fight not only my dad who was violent, but also a stepdad who was violent. And my mum did unfortunately follow that pattern. She got with another unpleasant man, and but his violence was towards me. Um, and so that anger inside me helped me fight back mentally and I get not physically because a little girl can't fight against a grown man but it did help me fight emotionally and mentally and I used to just think I will be okay one day I will be safe one day I used to look at him and think you will not beat me so I guess for me growing up men were not a particularly nice feature in my life they were they were figures of fear and and um control So when I, luckily for me, I met my husband young. I met him at 21 and he's the gentlest, kindest, sweetest man ever. Um, When I was first with him, I still had this chip on my shoulder and I was still, you know, angry at the world. Um, And he basically loved that out of me. So he made me feel safe. He made me realise that the world actually didn't have to be a scary place. And I softened and I've really, really softened over the years. I still got the fire. (laughs) Like I said, if you poke me enough times, but actually overall, I'm, I've lost all of that anger and kind of resentment. Um, and so, yeah, my story, that's a huge part of my story and who I am. So I still want to fight for the underdog. I still have a real need for justice and fairness. Really, really do. And I, I, and I feel very, very strong about helping women out of situations where they're disempowered, hurt or bullied or, or, or being violated. I really like to empower women in my work for them to find their own strength and their own path. Because as you know, only too well, when I when I lost my sight, which is in 2009, that completely crumbled my whole world. And that was my biggest awakening, really. Because from being this strong, defiant tough little cookie that was fighting the world I was suddenly unable to see and that went on for a year without sight and then four years altogether with very very partial sight until they managed to fix my eyes and and I can now see 60% in my left and about 90% in my right Um, but I function perfectly well and and um, I have got coping strategies but I live a normal life and I can see pretty bloody brilliantly considering I could see nothing for a year so that changed me and 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 what it done was it it made me see everything in a different way about strength because for me strength was always fighting strength was always uh, challenging pushing arguing standing up for what's right sticking up for the underdog like I said but actually suddenly when you can't see and you are the vulnerability of not being able to say, I'd invite anyone listening right now just to close their eyes a minute and imagine doing what you've got to do this afternoon, what you've planned for your day with your eyes shut. You can't even take tablets because you don't know which tablet you're taking and how much. So I couldn't even sort out my medication. You can't even go to the toilet. And I know this sounds basically you don't know if you've wiped your bumper out right, right. Do you know I mean? It's like those basic things. When you can't see, you are utterly and completely vulnerable. And it was the best thing, and this is probably sad, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it broke me down to my bare bones. I had to, I had to surrender. I had to completely surrender to what was happening to me. I had no control whatsoever. So going from a complete control freak which I was to try and you know trauma does that to you trauma makes you want to control everything in your life to avoid more trauma Mm. Um, but it's actually not a positive thing so when I couldn't see there was trauma associated with it but the biggest thing was your vulnerability and so I had to learn courage and in a different way courage just to be courage to get up out of a chair and walk to the loo and not fall over courage to accept that I needed people to help me go to the loo or to have a shower courage to accept that I couldn't cook a meal I couldn't feed myself I needed somebody for everything especially initially because I didn't have the coping strategies to cope without being able to see and so it broke me like I said broke me down to my bones but what it taught me is the real essence of strength and the real essence of strength is resilience and it's not shitty things happening because Difficult things are always going to happen in life. We're always going to come across big and little bumps in the road. What's most important is that you have the belief in yourself to get through it, that you have the resilience to get through it, and that you know that whatever happens, you can find a path through. And that's what being blind taught me: is that even when the lights are turned off. Um, and for all I knew at that moment it was permanent I was told to get my affairs in order that it would be a very long time before I could see if at all if ever in fact it was less than 0% less than 1% chance um I had I had to learn how to navigate my way through life and for some people that would have broken them but for me luckily because I'd been and this is where you think is there a plan to our life but Luckily for me, because of everything I'd been through as a child and adolescent, and then I'd had these years, I'd been with my husband 13 years at that point, so I'd had 13 years of being loved and cared for and treated really well. If I didn't have the, the, the trauma from my childhood, I don't think I would have had the tools inside to deal with being blind. Yeah. I don't think I would have been able to dig that deep within Because the first things that I thought to myself was, I got through that so I can get through this. And that was my thinking. Um, And every day the thinking was, I got through that so I can get through this. And so I think my trauma shaped me. And I think my trauma gave me belief in my strength to to overcome. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it makes perfect. So
1: once I got my sight back um which was two well 2013 officially I got my glasses but my last operation was in 2016 um and what I've done since is develop a business where I can support other people men and women but 90 90 percent of my clients are women and we work together to bring them into a place of strength and wholeness and where they believe in their own ability to get through the things in their life that they face so I was also told I wouldn't get an education I was told that education was pointless that was the step down but I've got qualifications coming out my ears I've I've probably got about 40 different qualifications now went to university did I I just basically uh proved everyone wrong (laughs) um and even after I lost my sight I was doing courses um and so now yeah as you know I'm a I'm a holistic therapist and a and a mentor and I I help other people get through tough times and find their power
0: yeah (laughs) you are so inspirational I mean, to anyone listening, Joe's done quite a few episodes on my podcast. So I urge you to go through and listen to each and every one of those interviews because you you teach us something every time you speak. And just to follow you on your social channels, you empower people, you inspire people and everything you do is in service to others. And it's so, yeah. it's so wonderful to see. And as you were saying, where you will stand up for people and you will give them their power. I can see again, I can see why you and I get on so well, because I, I've always been one that I will be the voice for those that can't speak And I've always been that. And if there's the underdog, like you said, I will always stand up for the underdog, even if it means I take on all the rubbish and everything and it's thrown at me. But that's just the way I do it. And I think, yes, that does make us strong to a lot. And but once you do it regularly, it just becomes part of your nature. And you will improve. I think so.
1: But you're like me, though, aren't you? Because you're a very gentle person,
0: but you're also incredibly
1: strong. and. Do do you think that sometimes, I mean, I'm asking you a question now, but don't you find that sometimes that people expect if you're strong that you've got to be strong and fighting all the time? But actually, there is a strength in being gentle and kind.
0: Yep, I get that sort of growing up and when I first got into the corporate world. Yes, I, I I went very high in the corporate world. And um, my family used to say, your personality isn't like you need to be stronger and everything because you, you're not, you, you don't sort of stand up, you're not aggressive. And I used to say, well, actually, I like my personality as I like me as me. I'm not going to change just to fit that corporate blueprint. Yes, I can go in, I can hold my own in a boardroom and the, co- the information that I've learned. I'm good at it, but I don't do it in a bullying way. I can share. And like when I train people, people will come back and say that they feel they can ask me anything, that I'm approachable. But that's just just the way I am. And I'd rather be like that than actually be all bullshit. And like you said about being aggressive. So many people get aggressive and assertive mixed up. You can be assertive. Without being aggressive, but so many people feel that it's the aggression that asserts what you want to say, and it doesn't. If you come from a place of strength that you are secure in yourself, no matter how quiet your voice is, it is still heard, and it can roar like thunder. Oh, totally speak quietly,
1: and it is that thing about boundaries. You know, it, it's knowing where yours are and making sure other people know where they are, and you know the the other thing that always strikes me with things like international women's day is that we should be proud to be women that women are we are different to men and it's really good that we're different to men because then we balance each other out and we did you ever have that thing I, I found when I was younger and I've spoken to a lot of women especially in the groups that I used to run before our lockdown days where women would say to me they've never had female friends before because they would either compete with them or they'd feel insecure around them. And all of a sudden they had female friends. And and in the circles that I run, um, I always had really clear boundaries. Um, and I ran it in the way that I would want it to be run. And I just found the women incredibly lovely to each other and really supportive and really kind. And, you know, the ones that came to my groups, they're all still friends now. And some of them, you know, they hadn't had female friends in that way before. And I think that's the other thing that I always like to challenge is that interaction between women, that when we're younger, we compete for a mate, don't we? Or we compete in work. And I think that is a real, uh, you know, kind of masculine patriarchal thing that we should all be competing all the time. But actually, women are so much stronger when they support and and lift each other up. And so I have a real passion for... Supporting other women and supporting women in business and supporting women in life so that they feel held because it's a it's it's a it's a weird old world for women in one way because we're meant to be the mothers, the nurturers, the carers. but we're also now the providers yeah. and the and the grafters. and we we do so many different things just as a woman. you know we we' be mother, sister, daughter, auntie, Wife or partner, um, and it it it's a it's a an amazing feat actually that women move between these different roles, mm. and it's no wonder, is it, that they take it takes its toll on us. I mean, when if you look at when people have parents that are poorly, I I haven't had that yet, thank goodness. But it's normally if there were siblings, it would normally be the daughter that took on the lion's share of the caring of the parents. Yeah. when it's child rearing and i know it is changing but we're still in that trend where it's mostly women that do the child rearing um and now most women work i don't know the exact percentage but i know it's in the high high percentages 78 of women will have a job of some kind yeah. and i just think it's okay to celebrate that i think it's okay to celebrate how amazing women are because of all the roles that they fulfill And especially when they support each other, there's nothing better than that feeling for me of being surrounded by my sisters. And I don't mean my biological ones, my sisters, my friends, if I'm having a tough day and, and the women that I love and care for and that are my friends are there supporting me and vice versa that I can be there for them. There's something so beautifully strong and empowering when you have a group of women supporting you and lifting you up, I don't think there's anything quite like it. Yeah. It's extraordinary. And women's capacity for loving, I think, is just wonderful. You know, we really do have a capacity to care. It's natural for us to nurture. Um, even if you're somebody who doesn't want children, you'll be nurturing to your friends, you'll be nurturing to people that you know. We just... We tend to have that in us. Um, and it's really wonderful in business and in our home lives if we can be supported by other women and celebrate the fact that we have women supporting us. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm who I am because of the incredible women in my ancestral line, but I'm also who I am because of the incredible women that have come in and out of my life, yeah. some for a reason, some for a season, some for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, but really, I have to say that I've met some incredible women in my work, women that have escaped domestic violence, women that have overcome serious life limiting illness, women that have changed, changed the face and the expectation of what women are and what they can do. I've met some women that have achieved incredible things. And I actually had to be careful when I have become a priestess. I, I trained as a priestess healer at Glastonbury Goddess Temple and they're very much fighting the patriarchy there they're fighting for women's rights and for women to be heard and seen and i totally agree with that but we have to be careful i think that we're not doing that at the exclusion of of the masculine of the divine masculine and men yeah. because we do balance each other out quite well um and so i had to be really careful because of my background that i didn't get too caught up in that thing that the masculine was was the thing to fear or the thing to fight against. Because yeah. actually men men go through their own challenges of the ideals about masculinity as well. But I think by being firm in who we are and knowing what it means to us to be a woman, and it will be different for each of us, yeah. we're actually then supporting the men in our lives by allowing them to be what they are.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm. It's, it's so it's uncanny almost. I mean, you know, I use the S word synchronicities so much. And when I was speaking to Sarah Ibrahim yesterday, she actually said about the whole thing that is only recently she started to have friends that are women, that going through school, she was bullied. And women can, well, girls in school can be really bitchy, like we've said, and everything. So she would gyrate to men to boys because she had a safer relationship and she didn't feel she'd be bullied so mm-hmm. it's so interesting to hear that you're you've picked up on that as well and you haven't spoken to each other about it. it's just it no no, it's no. And,
1: and I, I had the same thing I had better relationships with with boys at school than I did with girls just because I was a little bit different I've got a gap in my teeth I wore glasses I didn't fit the kind of perfect idea of what girls should look like i i i I liked climbing trees i liked playing in woods i liked kicking a football
0: yeah
1: um and so the girls just kind of thought i was odd so i didn't fit in there the boys thought i was a girl so i didn't really fit in there so it was a tough time growing up i got bullied as well but again it all adds to your resilience and god it makes you compassionate to other people
0: oh it does it It makes
1: you so compassionate because you see I worked in a boarding school for a decade. I was a housemistress there, and if ever there was bullying, it was dealt with straight away by me. Yeah. Um. It's it's. But again, you are saying about girls being bitchy to each other, it does make you wonder why, when we're growing up, that's kind of cultivated. Because at boarding school, it was rife. Yeah. Because girls were living with girls, there weren't there was boys at the school, but they had completely se- separate living accommodation. Yeah. Um, and it could be whew, so toxic because girls are brought up to believe they should act and be a certain way. And I mean, now I, I have a 19 year old daughter and what she went through at school to do with personal image, mm. what size she should be, what her hair should be like, what her makeup should be like, what her nails should be like, what clothes she should wear. And my daughter's not vulnerable. She's a real tough cookie, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, with a mum like me, <laughs> um, she's very empowered. Extru- In fact, she called herself a feminazi the other day to me. She told me she's a feminazi. She's not getting married. She's not having children. And I think good on her if that's what she wants. It's like, but even she went through that at school, where she felt all the pressure of you had to be thin, you had to be this, and with social media now. I mean, you can only feel for our children. I think I wouldn't I didn't let Charlotte have any kind of social media until she was 16, which probably sounds quite cruel now to people. But I just didn't like the environment for her. I didn't want her to be on there. And she got really upset with me at the time. Very upset, you know, like teenagers are. But there was this one beautiful moment where I had had, until the pandemic thing, I had um, a healing room here and i was changing all the bedding it's the end of a working day and i was getting it all ready for the following day and i was changing duvet covers and god knows what for this treatment bed and she come in and give me a hand and there was this moment where she was helping me put the covers on the on the treatment bed and she just looked up and she said she she was 16 by this point and she looked up at me and she said mom i'm really glad you didn't let me have social media until i was 16 she said cuz i see my friends now and their brothers and sisters and she said, the things they're seeing online are horrendous and the way it's affecting them is horrendous. And she said, I'm really sorry I gave you a tough time and thank you for not letting me go on it because I don't think I would have emotionally coped with it. And I thought that was so mature of her. And it was such a wonderful moment because as a mum, you you just don't know how to protect your children um, now. You don't want to be stopping them from having a full life, but equally... I don't know that it's such a good thing that we can see everything all at once, all at the same time, and have so much access to so much information without any filters. Yeah. I think that's what social media can be sometimes if it's used in that way. Yeah. But I don't know what I don't know where I was going with that, but it is that thing of trying to bring your daughters up or trying to bring my daughter up to be a balanced healthy individual that's going to contribute to society and and mostly the most important thing is that she would be happy and I just encouraged her to read things that were a bit more challenging things that were things that spoke of a different side of womanhood and got her to watch things that were were a bit more again challenging because I wanted her to see all the options available to her and I think sometimes that's limited for women Mm -hmm. I think sometimes our options and the ideas of what we can be can be quite limiting Mm -hmm. and so it's opening those doors up and not just as a teenager as an adult and for someone to say to you actually there's nothing stopping you you can be whatever you want to be how can I help you get there and that's what I try and do now that's what I try and do now it doesn't matter I've had ladies come here in their seventies who've been in difficult marriages who don't like their husbands they haven't had the courage to leave they have no friends they have they they never worked and all of a sudden they wanna break out of that and find a way through and equally I get women that are in their twenties wanting to do the same and the way that I help them is exactly the same is what do you really want how do you want to feel because just because of your gender it doesn't mean that you have to put limits on on your potential.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is where I love, I mean, every year International Women's Day have a specific theme and this year it's choose to challenge and that's the main hashtag that they're using across all the social channels <laughs> and everything you've discussed shows and epitomises what choose to challenge means. Challenge the norm, challenge the the way of life challenge your upbringing yeah. challenge everything and push back against it and it's so lovely to hear you with such a strong voice a powerful voice on that on ways to help and when you talk about um charlotte and not having the access to the social media you know that's that's what i did for corporate <laughs> is social media i've been called a jedi a, a ninja a guru. i don't <laughs> mind what i'm called but it's also one of my pet hates and you've heard me bang on about this every time yes because of what i do for a living i have a large network because i can prove that yes i know what i'm doing and my network is of so that i can grow it but i will also say i feel so sorry for the younger generations we've had we're almost in our second generation that have grown up with social media being the norm so they're almost used to living their world externally that they mm. life externally Mostly. how many people do we see that can't have a meal without taking a photograph of it? Oh, don't even start them. me on that and i'm the first one to say to any be it boy girl um woman man listening it doesn't matter about the size of your network at all if you say a post if you share a post and it resonates with one person that's what it was meant to do. It was meant to meet that reach that one person so that they can feel good. It might make their day feel better because they're maybe going through a traumatic time or something and mm. your words have been a comfort. It doesn't matter because all this saying yes, you've got so many likes, and where we see in schools and everything where children are being bullied because they don't get enough likes on social media. Most of these great big profiles and celebrities. They've bought half of their followers yeah. to start off with. And when it comes to when people just hit a like button, that means absolutely nothing. If you've got someone that will write a comment and say, thank you, you've helped me, or say, yes, what you said, I really shared with that and it resonated with me, I'm so grateful, that, that's where social media can help.
1: Yeah, and it means the world. I get that a lot on my on my community page, on my business page. And I say community page because that's what it has actually become yeah yeah I noticed the other night I was doing I was doing live readings actually and a young lady come on who I gave a reading to and she gave an, an explanation as to why the reading was accurate um I'd mentioned mental health and she's going for a mental health challenge and the minute she put that comment on loads of the women that were on there were sending her messages saying oh sending you love hope you're okay and they don't know each other they've never met each other but there just seems to be this lovely community on there where women are supporting women and I love that and I really encourage that because I think it like I said before is such a powerful thing and I think the social media is an incredible tool to bring light into the world I really really do um and no more than shows like yours like this where we're you know, you're giving a voice to people to come and talk about their experiences as a woman. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I was thinking about this before we spoke um, when I knew I was coming on to chat to you about whether being a woman has stopped me doing anything. Mm. Um, and I don't think it has. My daughter was challenging me the other day <laughs> because of getting married mm. and because I did the vow of I I will obey. the old-fashioned vow and she just couldn't understand why I would say I'd obey her dad at all and I said to her that we'd actually talked about it at the time her dad and I because I wasn't comfortable with saying I was going to obey not with my upbringing and everything but when we actually looked at it because a lot of people I don't even think it's in the wedding vows now I think it's been taken out and a lot of people if it isn't they choose to yeah but for me, it was obey was that I'd take his best advice. That was the definition for it. Yeah. So I kept it in. If I got married now, I wouldn't say I obey. <laughs> <laughs> but at 23, it felt like the right thing for me. And I think because I trusted him someone who was going to look after me. Yeah. I think my daughter could not resonate with that at all. She would never say she'd obey any man. And that made me really, really happy yeah. that she felt empowered and strong enough. Um, and I think as well, I've been married, we've, well, we've been together 27 years now, which is a long, long time, trust me. <laughs> but being a woman has not stopped me achieving. In, in fact, I've I've managed to make the fact that I'm a woman be a bonus in my life.
0: Yeah.
1: It's helped me to have the gentleness and the understanding. It's helped me to uh, embrace my my loving side and my gentle side and my caring side and my nurturing side. And I've had positions like being the house mistress at boarding school where I was a position of authority and I was looking after lots of young people, a position of real responsibility. Yeah. And I had really strong boundaries then. And no, not everyone liked me because I spoke my mind and I stood by my my word.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but they respected me.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think I so <sighs> I was thinking about that actually as I said it. I guess if anywhere it was the boarding school where there was a glass ceiling where you couldn't progress because it was only ever really men that were promoted to positions of power. But then we had a headmistress come in. Yeah. um, Not long before the school closed and everyone was absolutely petrified her. And she epitomized that thing of a woman who's aggressive and quite bullying and quite. um, Yeah. And so that she kind of epitomized that the old way of of being a strong woman because she was in her 60s. Um, And I remember thinking, gosh, if if I had to be like that to get to the top, in fact, you're more or less becoming a man, aren't you? You're you're using your your kind of aggression to get things done. Then I'd rather not. I'd rather stay where I am. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I guess if anywhere being a woman stopped me, it was at that school. Um, But I can't think of anywhere else in my life being a woman's only ever been a positive and I think that's thanks to the strong women I was raised by, the strong women that I've met like you and, and luckily lots of others. And my daughter, she's, she's helped shape me. I never thought I'd be a mum. And actually the privilege of bringing another woman into the world and helping her become who she is now has definitely my biggest achievement in life. And the thing that I treasure the most out of any experience I've ever had is being her mum. And now her friend, because she's an adult. Yeah. Um, and I see young women today and I just, <clears throat> Charles got a couple of really amazing friends. One of them's just become a police officer. Um, she went to university and, and she's a, she's gone in as an officer. Um, and another friend who does care. She's worked really, really hard. Another strong young woman who had things going on at home that were really tough. And she's she now works looking after other people um another friend who's become a a nurse you know she's she's got there's uh, some incredible young women around her and um I just look at these young women today and and their potential and they they just seem to be less scared than us I don't know if that's just my misconception but the ones that I know they don't seem to be as scared about being themselves about speaking up and I think that's a really really good thing I hope that that continues and I hope that there's more and more young women that are like that because so often we we the expectation on women is that the old-fashioned expectation on women is that we would toe the line that we would you know do what we're told that we would you know do the expectations that would be you know have children get married and all of that kind of stuff. And these young women are totally debunking that. They're smashing that. They're, they're just not buying into that crap at all. And I think that's such a wonderful thing that they are allowing themselves to be what they want to be, and it's okay to speak up.
0: Yeah.
1: And- even if even if that means going on Instagram and and doing bikini shots and things like that. If that's really what they want to do, then who's to criticise them for? If that's the way they express themselves, then what are we to say about that you know it's I think it's we're we're in a place in the world now where the opportunities couldn't be bigger and better for women yeah and so to stick together like this do a campaign like this where hopefully women of all ages will listen and they'll they'll my message would be it's okay to be you whatever that is it's okay to be exactly you you know you you play to your strengths bring bring your your strongest personality traits out don't let people tell you talk too much I was told that don't let people tell you that you're too strong I was told that don't let people tell you that your personality is overpowering and people won't like you I was told that and it couldn't be further from the truth I've got more friends than I've ever had in my whole life it's okay to be you and and find out what you is that's the biggest thing is have a good dig and if you've never done it Really give yourself time to try and find out what it is that matters to you. What, who are you? Who are you really away from everyone's opinions of you or everyone's projections onto you, people's expectations of you? What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What's important to you? What do you not want? What are the things that you don't want to be? You know, that's just as important as knowing what you do want to be. And if you want to be an astronaut, or you want to be a the world yachtswoman. You know, there's plenty of examples now where women have smashed expectations and they've smashed these stereotypes of what women should be. Yeah. I have friends who decided not to have children, and they still get asked, oh, why did you not have children? Like, it's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. Um, I hope that the days are coming soon where people won't say that. They'll say, oh, how interesting yeah. that you decided just to be you. Good on you. Because yeah. that's what I would say. I wouldn't even ask the question to be fair, but, you know, we seem to be moving more towards an era where it's okay to just be what you want to be, but make sure you know what that is. Because when you actually look at how you define yourself, I'm going into therapist mode now, (laughs) but when you actually define yourself, trying to do that without, the, without the, uh, the old kind of projections of others or the expectations of family or the expectations of friends or colleagues or um, the media or society. If you look at what it is that you are, then be proud of that and try to, to work with that and look at which one of those things bring you the most joy and try and enhance that. So that you can go and do what you want to do, and if people don't agree with it or they don't like it or they can't accept it, then that's that's a them thing, not a you thing. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the most empowered things that I ever had was the the when someone said to me, "It's okay to be you. You're all right," and it was my husband. Just said, "You're all right. You're great." No one had ever said that to me. Yeah. I think sometimes we need a friend or someone we really respect and trust their opinion to say to us it's okay it's okay that you act the way you do it's okay that you you're the person you are you're wonderful just as you are don't try and be like everybody else don't try and fit a mold which no one ever told you was there um
0: yeah (sighs) yeah Yeah. Oh this this is just wonderful. Um there's a few things I'd pick out from what you've said. I'm going to say to all the listeners like I said if you feel that something has resonated with you and you feel that son daughter someone younger would actually learn and gain from listening please share these episodes with the the younger people in your family because that's just it yes The whole idea about International Women's Day is to stand up and almost be a role model and show an empowering person that a younger generation can follow and can look to that maybe as a mentor, as a power figure that they think, yes, I want to follow in those steps. So, yes, I completely, completely agree. And it's it's wonderful to hear you share that. And where you said about the feminine thing. Yes well, my, the very first time I spoke for international women's day was 4 years ago and I was called into a school and I was supposed to be speaking to the sixth form but I ended up speaking to the whole uh, all the girls in the whole school they cleared oh the, wow they cleared the assembly hall and I had over 300 girls um, and so I I spoke about they wanted someone who excelled in a male dominated area and I, I told my story, and because I'm in digital communications, yes, of course, that male-dominated, male-dominated, all the tech stuff and everything. And I went in and I told these young women that they could achieve anything. And I went in as me. I'm probably one of the most girly girls I know. Pink is my <laughs> favourite colour. I can I saw
1: your pink boots this morning. Yes.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> my, I am so girly, but that doesn't stop me having a voice and being strong. And yes, all right, I've got blonde hair, but at the minute with lockdown, the roots are showing a bit. But I would go in corporate. I would go into a boardroom or a tech team and I'd be the only woman in the room. And I would hold the floor because, yes, they see this little woman. I'm five foot two, blonde. And they think, what does she know about tech? And I would wipe the floor with them. And I... I must admit, I did love that. I like that because I'd go in and you don't have to. It is almost, we go back to that whole thing, choose to challenge. You yes. don't have to fit the norm. You don't have to look a certain way. You, exactly. You, you use your brain and the power of your voice and you can use that and you can change anything. You can move mountains, you, everything. And this, this, it just goes back. This is why. I always try and do something for International Women's Day every yeah. year. So important. And it's giving back and it's showing It's showing anyone, no matter what age you are. I've spoken about this on the previous two um, podcast interviews as well. I can remember when I was working with Department of Work and Pensions in one of our government um, departments. Yeah. We worked with the phone company three and they would do training. They would have children from junior school, sort of middle school Mm -hmm. boys and girls come in for a whole day and they worked with them and they worked on an app called hopscotch. And it was teaching young children to code that they would like the tech thing. And from the start, they come in not knowing anything at the end of the day every child had coded a game and they and the sense of achievement and these are things that when I was growing up you didn't learn coding until you went to university you went to be a computer programmer and now these are things that are just normal everyday skills that children are taught as young as four and it's so wonderful to see that you can do that you can embrace it and you can use it in your day-to-day life all the time there was
1: that thing when we were young that if you went see the career officer or the career advisor they would they would never say to you oh have you thought about being a mechanic as a woman or it would be things like that nursing what about teaching what about working in a nursery school that's what I was offered and actually at the time I wanted to be a barrister that's yes. what I wanted to do so it's um it it, it is that it is that I don't know I I guess I have just challenged that all all my life and it isn't it isn't even conscious it's just that I was not people would say to me um when they found out what I'd been through as a child they would say to me god I don't know how you cope with that how did you live with that how did you cope with that um and there's almost this expectation that you're going to be a messed up adult and that you're going to go on to repeat the same And I guess that's my, the thing that I challenged the most was that I didn't have to be defined by my upbringing. I didn't have to be defined by what I saw my mum go through. And actually I took it and I turned it into a positive from the point of view of, I allowed it to shape me into knowing where my boundaries are and how I didn't want life to be, you know, it's, I wasn't going to be defined by what other people said I could do. Um, and I've done the same as you I've stood up in schools and spoken to them normally I talk to them and the times I've done it it's been about uh, mental health and self-care and empowering them again with knowing and understanding how their mind and brain works so that they can choose to change the way they think about things and the way they feel things Um, and that's that's boys and girls but it's always the girls that seem to get it the most because they feel more, and they—I I don't know—I'd I'd have to ask my daughter, but I—I d- I don't know how how she feels the pressure on whether she gets married, whether how she achieves things, what she becomes. I don't think she does because she's just she's grown up to do the opposite of what everyone expects. Yeah. She surprises us all. <laughs> and even though she went into hairdressing from school and there is a stigma around hairdressers you know that that goes on but she went in and she had her a levels really good grades in a levels really good grades she's got 12 gcse's um c and above mostly a's and b's and she went in super smart and people were so shocked when she went to do hairdressing when she'd done a creative job especially in our family they were kind of why isn't she going to university? Why isn't she going on to do that? And she's like, I don't want to go to university. I I, I enjoy this. I want to do this. Yeah. She didn't feel the need to go and, and and she was empowered enough to say no. Yeah. She didn't follow expectations or the norm. And all of her friends virtually have gone to university. But she that wasn't for her. And she stood by that. And I, I really admire that about her. She 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 does what she wants to do. And I think we should all do a bit of that
0: really do think we should. I mean, and you say about that, we're both very lucky. We've both got very strong daughters. I mean, I I put my daughter through university as a single mum. Yes, you've heard my story. I did my degree as a mature student at school. Yes, I got good O-levels. That's showing my age. I had good O-levels, did my A-levels. But I met boys in a serious way whilst I did my A-levels and they kind of went to the wayside. But my trajectory had been Cambridge, study law, be a barrister. And Well, you've heard me tell this story because when people used to ask me I was going to be a barrister, go into politics and I was going to be prime minister. And that was me at school. How wonderful is that, that you saw that as a possibility? Yeah.
1: There was no glass ceiling for you. Yeah. There's nothing to make you think that wasn't possible. Imagine if we could give that to every girl.
0: Yeah. And it is. And yet my daughter, she did law. She went through, she's done her first degree and she's done her master's as well. And yes, she looked at it as a career, but she also said a law degree shows that she can reason. She can write a reasoned argument and she is so strong. And when I look at her, like her body image is brilliant. I mean, mine, she's grown up with mum yo-yo dieting, being on every diet. As most women, we suddenly think, oh, yes, until you get to a certain thing where you're comfortable with yourself, you're always thinking, oh, I've got to diet. I've, yeah. I've got to be that. Yeah. My daughter's so switched on, not interested. She's got a lovely figure. But she kept saying to me, mum, you don't need to do that. And for it to come from her... And it's, I mean, I've shared previously in other um podcasts about some of the things that happened with my family and we went through quite a lot through my divorce and it was quite hard for the children and people picked on my son and they did an awful lot of stuff and it turned out his life was in danger and he had to be taken to a place of safety because he was threatened. And at the time, my daughter was given the chance to go to school or whether to Um, stay away because some of the um, bullying and everything had started from the school and this was a 1500 strong student body and my daughter said no mum she says if I go if I don't go people will think that my brother is in the wrong and he's done nothing wrong and she held her head up high. Bless her heart. She walked into that school and it, it they took her safety so seriously. The headmaster used to come into her lessons and sit in the class with her so that she didn't get any abuse over what was happening with her brother. And you, I mean, you look at that in a senior school. So, so brave! People, I don't know many adults that would do that. You, really easy. that you can get trouble. But that's, that's when we realise how strong children, how warrior women, as it were, that we have brought up and instilled that confidence in and that's a lovely, lovely thing to say that we've done that.
1: Yeah, and we continue to do because if I can ever do that for any woman, young woman, I I always do because I think that it's not just as a woman, it's as a person, as you define who you are, you define your potential, you know, go with what is going to make you happy. Don't let other people tell you no.
0: Yeah don't no let other people tell you now. definitely now if we pick up on that you said you've heard a bit about my career path and everything joe can you give an example about your career path i know you said you went to university mm. how did you get there so that any listener could actually uh, gain from that and maybe we yep. have got younger generations listening sure see it as their path well
1: i i um i had a bit of a A a tough road to it because I it got to the point with my stepdad where it was so bad that I ran away. And I ended up living on the streets for a little while um, over a summer, maybe four or five months. And then I was, um the police caught wind of me being only 16, 17, or still a minor, and I was sent home to the to the home where the stepdad was. Mm. Um and actually what I was doing while I was homeless, this will sound mental but I had nowhere to live. Um, I'd stayed with every friend. I'd outstayed my welcome. I'd even stayed with friends in their cars, just so keep out of the cold. I was working at a, a school for um, children with disabilities and I was washing up. I, would, I started renting a room somewhere and I was going to college. So I was doing all of that at 17, all on my own. I had no contact with family. Um, I had some friends, but I, like I said, I was kind of because I was in such a way that that I was so lost I lost friends so I ended up being very isolated and alone um, but I went to college because I knew that education for me was my way out of my situation if I could get an education and I could get a decent job and then of course it was the law so I was going to college and I was actually getting straight A's at college I was doing psychology sociology and law three of the most difficult ones And um, but unfortunately, it just all got too much for me. And when the police realised I was a minor,
0: Mm.
1: I got sent home. And so I had to leave college because it was kind of hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where my mum and my stepdad were. When I got back to my parents, they didn't believe in education. My mum didn't believe in education. Stepdad definitely didn't. And I had to pay my way. So I found my way onto the old YTS schemes. You remember those? We used to earn 29 quid a week. And I was doing that in admin. Again, this is where someone defines for you're a girl, so you learn admin. You're going to be a secretary. So that's in the late 80s, early 90s. And I went and done that. Absolutely hated it. But I got my word processing, word processing level two. And I decided I needed a job. So I actually got the yellow pages. And I wrote to 100 companies in the yellow pages. With a little C V, which if we looked at it now, we'd probably laugh at. My little C V with my because by the way, even though I was going through all of that, I got my GCSEs. Mm. Um, didn't make my A levels, but I got my GCSEs and I'd done really well in my GCSEs. How, I, I don't know, because at the time I was being regularly beaten and life was awful at home. Um anyway, I wrote to a hundred companies and one came back and offered me a job um And it was at a freight forwarder's. And I went in as a trainee on a hundred pounds a week. And freight forwarding is very male dominated. And I chose to do exports, so sending things all around the world, which again is male dominated. But I was so feisty and strong, and definitely character building, living on the streets, that toughened me up. And I went and did it, and I was bloody good at it because I had attention to detail.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and so I moved through a few, a couple of freight forwarders and actually it's where I met my husband. He was my boss. Um, and he said to me, what have you always wanted to do? And actually what I'd always wanted to do was teach. Yeah. That was my dream. So he said, well, why don't you go and train to do that? Why don't you do that? And he said he would support me. Yeah. And so um, I went to uh, university as a mature student. I think I was 27. Mm. So I went to university at that age, which was quite odd, and started an education degree with the University of Plymouth. Um, and that was really, really good. I'd done, I, I done two years of that degree and I'd done really, really well at it. Mm. Um, and then I fell pregnant with my daughter at 29. And um, I had to have quite a gap between finishing my degree and getting my qualifications. Mm. Um, so I don't know how I did it, but I managed to do it. And um, I decided to do teaching, but actually it was at the time when they bought all of the Ofsted bits and pieces in and it changed teaching from being, I don't know, a caring, nurturing job. This is just personally for me to being one where it was about results and tests and, yeah. and so teaching wasn't doing it for me. So I was actually only in, in teaching for a very short amount of time, about a year. And I just thought, I don't want to be here. There was a particular time where I'd, put my arm around the shoulders of a little girl whose mum had recently died and I was really told off for it and I thought this isn't the job for me Mm -hmm. um so I come away and I was a little bit lost then with what to do with myself I loved working with children but I didn't want to work with children in teaching because it was too stifled and it didn't feel right so I bought a franchise (laughs) for something called tumble tots which was a gym class for toddlers and you had your equipment and you go to a different village hall every day of the week and you set up gym classes and I had two or three women working for me and I did that for a year and that was really fun um but then I had a lump found in my breast um and that changed things it was fine I was fine I had treatment and it was all fine um but it changed your perspective on everything um And then I was a mum and I worked with people with, and it sounds so disjointed, but my mum worked with adults with learning disabilities. And I found that it just seemed fun and my mum was really enjoying it. So I started working for a lady privately who had learning disabilities to support her with her social life and help her get out and about. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't that far off my age. And we did have such a giggle. And she was so lovely. She lived with her elderly mum. So I did that for a couple of years, which was really rewarding. And then went back into the teaching side. A job came up at the boarding school. I saw an advert. We'd moved house to here, actually, to this house. And I was, you know, when you wrap stuff off in newspaper, talk about divine intervention. I unwrapped something. And there was this advert on the piece of paper saying we're looking for a a uh, house parent at this boarding school. Never even knew you had such a thing as a house parent. Boarding school wasn't a world that I'd ever understood or, or moved into. And um I ended up getting the job. And actually, that was the best job ever because I got to use my teaching um education, my education from my degree, and I got to work with young people and I got to empower them, like I hope. I hope I empowered them. I I got to look after them, take care of them, make sure they're all right, um, help them with their life as boarders. And it was one of the most satisfying and, and fulfilling things I've I've ever done. I've really, really enjoyed that. And I and I got to meet some incredible young women who are incredible women now. And a lot of them I'm still in touch with, which is lovely. They still call me Miss. Um And yeah, that was, that was for 10 years. So that was my longest job. So when I lost my sight and decided I wanted to do something different, I looked at being self-employed because actually I'd had enough of working for other people. But self-employment seemed something that didn't happen to people like me. I wasn't quite sure of how you set up your own business. But again, you know, um, serendipity. I met a few women who were working for themselves as therapists. I said, Joe, oh, you might be good for that. And I thought, oh, I don't think I could massage anyone. I don't want to touch people's bare skin. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I'd go and do a simple course and see if I enjoy it. So i done Indian head massage and I loved it. I had no problem with touching people's skin. In fact, it gave me a wonderful feeling of caring for people and looking after them. And it just snowballed from there. So I trained in lots and lots of different therapies and counselling and hypnotherapy um, I've always been able to see spirit and I've been a medium, you know, since I, I read my first set of tarot cards when I was 16. So I've been doing it since then. And so yeah, that's where I am now. So i I'm verified with the NCHC, which is um uh, really prestigious. That was quite a that was that was quite a rigorous thing. It's the National Complementary Healthcare Council and it's a government recognised body. So I'm seen as a healthcare worker because I'm verified with them. So you get watched while you're doing your therapy Um, and you have to do lots and lots of questions. A 40-page questionnaire with all accompanying paperwork and proof. And when I got that, it was a weird feeling. It was like this huge validation of my therapy business because I'd already been working about six years on it when I got that. And it was a lovely big tick to say that I'm recognised as an expert in my field. I'm recognised as somebody who works with with excellence in my in my um, customer care and my and the way I treat my clients so that was really a big thing for me um, to to be, be accepted as a, a member of the NCHC and so now I with lockdown it's been difficult because you can't do one-to-ones so I I work online with people on very very limited basis at the moment because I'm developing slight changes to what I do but yeah, that's where I am now. So I'm seen as an expert at what I do. I I do lots of different body work. I work with energy medicine mostly. I'm a bit of a medicine woman, really. I use all my skills and my qualifications to help people get better in all kinds of ways, um, including hypnotherapy and psychotherapy and, and counselling and all of the actual um, physical therapies like massage and crystal healing and sound and Reiki and the SAKM and blah and everything else <laughs> I think I'm qualified in about 40 therapies which is ridiculous but it was a bit addictive so yeah that's that's where I am now so I work with people um to help them be the best version of them really that's my focus
0: yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. truly truly are inspirational but I tell you this every day because everything you do is just I think you are
1: listening to your story makes mine look nothing you know you've done amazingly.
0: I think people come together when they can see those synchronicities my favorite word where we can say yes, we can understand where people have been, what they've been through. You recognize
1: that light in other people. I put I put a thing on my page today and it said you can either be the candle or the mirror that reflects it yeah and i think definitely you try and be both don't you yeah. try and inspire and you allow yourself to be inspired yeah it's a nice thing it's a, it's good to be in that flow
0: and i think i mean you know i know that you and i talk about this quite regularly but especially this current new norm which is like sheer lunacy really where we we're, we're all in this lockdown you learn in business to pivot you take your skills and you pivot into a different direction because you can see that's the way of the world as it were like everything is coming online so you take your stuff or like right like you said about the therapy some of that you can't physically do online you cannot do massages through zoom but I'm sure one day they will teach us how to do yeah it. they probably have a robot that you talk to but I think
1: as well you just you just made me think then is is that idea that you? there's that saying, isn't there? You give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach him how to fish and you feed him for the rest of his life. And I think that's where I'm going now is I want to empower other people to understand and learn what I understand and I've learned my knowledge so they can actually do it for themselves. So teaching them the skills and abilities so that they can heal themselves so that they can maybe help their loved ones and friends. And that's where I'm at now is I feel like I'm at a point now where I've got all this knowledge and understanding and I'd love to pass it on in an honourable way to other people yeah. so they can then take it and either develop a career or, like I said, just use it for their own empowerment and their own healing. Yeah. But that's where I'm I'm moving towards now is, is going back to that teaching again. Yeah. And I went and did my, um, what used to be called the petals, but it's about teaching adults. So I went and got my adult education qualification. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fully qualified to teach adults. Yeah. So it just means that I I can, I mean, in, I'm insured to teach everything I'm qualified in. Yeah. So I love the idea of taking somebody who wants to work for themselves or wants to help others and be in service. And I can literally teach them everything that I know yeah. and help them become a, a therapist and help them become whatever that looks like for them. And everything I've learned, you know, because owning your own business, God, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? You learn, <laughs> you do about twenty jobs, especially at the beginning when you can't afford to pay for help.
0: Yeah.
1: You do about twenty different jobs. You're the accountant. You're the bookkeeper. You're the you're the marketing and and research. Your social media. Your social media person. You're the admin person. Your customer services, and then your front line doing whatever it is that you do. Mm-hmm. And God, it was a tough thing working for myself. But I love working for myself because it, it's just, it's the freedom for me. It's the freedom for me. Yeah. And I am lucky that I have some really loyal customers who, who trust me and they they keep coming
0: back. <laughs> and so it's fantastic. meant that I, I get to live my dream. But you are fantastic at what you do. I started this interview by saying that, and I say it every day to you, you are fantastic, everything you do. Is just brilliant. You are at the top of your tree. And I, I just love it. I love my
1: work. I love seeing people thrive. Yes. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. Other women, especially. I love seeing women thrive. Nothing makes me happier than when I get a message about someone's success or when, like, a voice memo like you left me recently where you'd had a wonderful experience, something to come in with your work. And it just makes me fly I just love seeing other people succeed I love being that person that's there cheering on the
0: sideline yeah it makes me happy I love it I love it love it love it and this going back to the topic of the podcast International Women's Day I think this is what really shows strong powerful women that we empower each other we're there and we're a role model for others to follow and think yes I want to emulate what that person does and you do that you eat sleep breathe it everything you do you are a role model to so many well, to all of us because you mm. find out everything you've been through what you've achieved what you've gone through it's just it's a so weird thought to cool. think of yourself in that way <laughs> but it, it's so wonderful and I just I, I know I say it every day but I am so grateful you're in my life and I'm so oh, me too and I've just seen the time, so I'm going to have to. No, you. I'm going to Crazy. To, to a close. I could talk to you all day, every day. I know that. And I say to the listeners, come back, listen, re listen to these episodes because you do. You get those golden nuggets, you get those pearls of wisdom shared. And sometimes you do need to listen to it a few times to take everything down. And with all these episodes, I always share ways that you can reach out and work with Jo. We share the links and everything. But it just leaves me to say a massive, massive thank you, Jo. It's thank you. Been a pleasure. It's been such a pleasure. And I can't wait until you're my guest again because uh-huh. you have so much information to share.
1: And if I could just say one more thing to the people listening that like it doesn't matter where you've come from, it doesn't matter what you've been through or what other people have told you you can do. You can define who you are and what you do with your thoughts and your actions. And don't ever forget that your life is in your hands. And yeah, go for it.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, lovely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as my guest. Thank you. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.